If you've got your Bibles, open them up to John 10.10, and uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about stewardship today. We've got one more week. Next Sunday will be our last Sunday, uh, talking about the Blessed Life series. And I'll be honest with you, this has probably been my favorite series that I've ever taught. God has taught me so much. And uh, I know for many of you, God's moving in your life and changing some things. And I'm going to share some things with you today. They're going to talk about what stewardship is and then what God really requires of us. And I think it's going to be really enlightening to you. John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief, Satan, does not come but to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. Another translation says, to the full and overflowing. God wants us to have an overflowing life of good things. That's his plan for us. We're gonna go through challenges in life, absolutely. Jesus said in the world, not you might have tribulation, in the world you will. In other words, challenges are gonna come in our life, but Jesus said that I'm gonna be with you and I'm gonna help you overcome those things. He said, I'm greater than he who's in the world. And so when he promises us in a life of abundance, he means that. So the big question today as we go into this, this series and really today's sermon is right now, are you living a life of abundance of good things? I'm not saying you don't have any challenges, but right now are you living a life of abundance of good things? Because if you're not, there's some areas in your life that God wants you to look at. So we're gonna do that today and, and we're gonna talk about stewardship. So what is a blessed life? The first blank on your notes there is a life lived in abundance. A blessed life is a life lived in abundance. I wanna talk to you a little bit about stewardship. We're, we're familiar with that word. We've heard about stewardship most of our lives. It's an old word. And here's what the definition of, of stewardship is. A steward is somebody who does these things. Stewardship is this process. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Say that again. The careful and responsible management of something that is entrusted to one's care. So in other words, a steward... A steward is someone who has been given something that they're responsible to take care of. A steward is somebody who has given something that they're responsible to take care of. So imagine someone's given you something that's very important to them, whether it's a car, a house, their children, land, whatever it is. They've given you this thing and they've said, I want you to steward this whatever it is. And that means to be careful and responsible in how you manage that. So that's what a good steward does. So we're going to talk today about what that means and what the Bible has to say about stewardship. Number one on your notes is this. God uses money and riches to test our hearts. God uses money and riches to test our hearts. Luke 16, 11, this is Jesus talking. And Jesus says this, if you are untrustworthy, I can say it. Somebody help me. If you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Wow. Jesus said, if we're untrustworthy with worldly wealth and possessions, who will trust us with the true riches of heaven? And he's obviously talking about himself, God, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, if, if God can't trust you with what he's given you in the world, your possessions, your wealth, then how can he entrust you with the really important things in life? Isn't that amazing? Statistically, get this. In the Bible, the New Testament, what we have recorded of what Jesus talked about, Jesus spent 30% of his time teaching about money and possessions. 30%. Do you think that's significant? 
The reason he taught so much about this is it's such an important part of our lives. In Matthew 6, 21, we talked about this last week. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And last Sunday, what we talked about is we need to invest into the kingdom of God because whatever we invest in is where our heart is. So if right now you're wondering in your life why you're not hearing from God or maybe you're not experiencing joy in your life or or different things, my question to you would be, where is your investment? Where are you investing your time? Where are you investing your money? Where are you investing your talent? An easy way to find out for yourself is open up your checkbook and see where you're writing your checks. To look at your calendar and see where you're spending your time. Because wherever you're investing your time, talent, and your resources is where your heart's going to be. And the Bible tells us that. So if you want to begin to have a change of heart in your relationship with God, then you need to invest in the things of God because whatever you invest in is where your heart's gonna be. You know, the illustration we used last week, and I thought it was so good, is if you invest in a stock, all of a sudden you get very interested in how that stock's gonna do. If you invest in a company, you're gonna really start to watch that company. How many of you have kids? Bless you. If you have children, you're raising these kids, you're interested in what they're doing. You may not be necessarily interested in what Joe Bob's doing down the road, but you are very interested in what your child is doing. Why? Because you have invested a lot into that child. So wherever our treasure is, whatever we invest in is where our heart's going to be. One of the ways we change our heart is where we, we invest things. So God uses money and riches to test our hearts. And if we want to be used more in the kingdom of God, we have to become better stewards of what he's given us. Here's number two on your notes. God has given us stewardship of the earth. God has given us stewardship of the earth. If you go all the way back to the beginning of your Bible, look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Here's what God said. And also 2.17, we kind of added that in there. Here's what God said. I'm going to sum it up for you. He talked, he's talking to Adam and Eve. He says, be fruitful, multiply, care for this garden, stewardship, and leave that tree alone. (laughs) I just threw that in there for you. Be fruitful, multiply, care for this garden, and leave that tree alone. God was giving us possession of the earth, and he's saying, look, your responsibility is to be good stewards of this planet. We are called to be good stewards of this planet. But even more than that, God is giving you things and he wants you to be good stewards of what he has given you. So from the very beginning, stewardship was brought into the world. Chapter one, God is saying, look, you guys are responsible. I am giving you the power to be good stewards. And he's saying, take good care. Take good care. How many of you like to mow your yard? Four of you, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> you've got a yard and, and, and it's your job to steward that yard whether you do it or pay somebody else to do it you're a steward of that yard right you know if you've got a car your job is to keep that car clean whatever your job is to steward that God's teaching us look I'm giving you things but as I give you things I'm asking you and requiring you to take good care of them does that make sense From the very beginning. So we need to understand the stewardship concept goes back to Genesis chapter 1. Number three. Most of the stress, worry, and anxiety in our our lives is caused by our failure to exercise good stewardship. Wow. Let me read that again. Most of the stress, worry, and anxiety that each of us faces is caused by our failure to exercise good stewardship. 
Would you agree with that? It's true. You know, so many people said, the devil made me do it. Did the devil make you do it? The devil can't make you do squat. Okay? You know, I, I've often joked and talked, with, and most people I know, we talk about this. It's like, look, man, the devil doesn't have to mess with me a whole lot. I, I'm pretty capable of, of messing my, you know, give me a snake, a stick, or a match, and, you know, something bad's going to happen. You know, and, and I feel like in most of our lives, it's true. Usually the challenges that we face most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the challenges we face in life are brought on by ourselves. So the stress, anxiety, the, the challenges we face are brought on by us not stewarding well what God has given us. And get this, it's a little diamond below that. God frequently gets blamed for our self-inflicted wounds. We get ourselves into trouble and then we blame God. Have you ever done that? God, I can't believe you allowed me to do that. And he's going, dude, I was telling you not to do it. He might not say dude, but he would say, I was telling you not to do that. I was telling you in the word how you should steward these things and you disobeyed me and now you're blaming me for your challenges. But here's the good news. And some of you need to hear this. God is not mad at you for the challenge you found yourself in. And some of you are saying, well, I got myself in this and now I gotta get myself out of it. You do have a part to play, but let me tell you something. God can help you. And God could do more in a minute than you can do in a lifetime. So what you need to do is lay that foolish pride down and recognize you need to turn to God. Yes, you have a part to play. When God shows you how you need to get out of the challenges you're in, you need to participate in that. But you need to recognize that he is not mad at you. And many of the challenges you face you've been, have been brought on by yourself. So here's the big question of the day. Here's the big question. So how do we change the path of our lives and begin to exercise good stewardship? If the reason we're in a lot of our challenges is because we've exercised bad stewardship, how do we change that? How do we begin to get on the right track? Maybe that's a good term to use. How do we get from A to B? Well, we're going to talk about that. Here's number one. God expects us to conduct his business until he returns. I'm going to read out of uh, Luke chapter 19 this morning. If you've got your Bibles, uh, it's in your notes and it'll probably be on the screen. Luke chapter 19 verses 11 through 26. We're going to talk about a couple of stories uh, of Jesus. Again, 30% of the time he was talking about money, resources, investment, etc. So we're going to talk about what he requires of us. So 19, starting with verse 11. The crowd was listening to everything that Jesus said, and because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. They were expecting the kingdom of God to return. A lot of people were saying, hey, the Messiah is here, and the kingdom of God is going to return right now. And Jesus wanted to educate them that there was still going to be some time from that. And here's what he said. Here's the story that he told. A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. What was he talking about there? His death, resurrection, and going off to heaven. But then he also says there he was to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together 10 servants and, and gave each of them 10 pounds of silver to invest for him while he was gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say they did not want him to be their king. When he returned, the king called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what they had done with the money. 
and what their profits were. The first servant reported a tremendous gain. He had invested and received 10 times as much as the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You're a trustworthy servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of 10 cities as your reward. The next servant also reported a good gain, five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You can be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, I hid it and I kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. Listen to this statement. Jesus said, you wicked servant, hard am I? If you knew so much about me and how tough I am, why didn't you deposit the money in the bank so at least it could get some interest? Then turning to the others standing nearby, the king ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who earned the most. But master, they said, that servant already has enough. Yes, the king replied, but to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But those, from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. Wow. Think about that. Have you ever heard the term, the rich get richer? There are principles that God puts in place, and that is actually true. That's a biblical principle, that those that are practicing ways to get wealth and practicing good practices will get more rich. And a lot of times the poor stay poor because they're practicing the same things that got them poor. But there's more here, and I want to go down and read another story, and then I'll talk to you about that. So number one is God expects us to conduct his business until he returns. What he's doing is he's giving his people investment, and he said, now I'm giving this to you, but I expect you to to get me a return. So that's number one. Number two, stewardship brings blessing. Stewardship brings blessing. Turn to Acts chapter two. I think I will also. Acts chapter 2, verses 43 through 47. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together constantly, shared everything they had. They sold their possessions, shared the proceeds with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoy the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. Good stewardship brings blessing. You know, many times in your life, maybe even you have said, boy, I'd like to see a revival. Boy, I'd like to see God move. Check this out. Here's the principle. God moves when we're good stewards. You see what happened here? They were selling their possessions and they were taking care of the poor and they were, they were meeting and, and, and spending time in discipleship with each other and there were miracles going on. And here's the point. Many times we're waiting for God to show up and do something. He's going, I've already done it. I'm waiting for you guys to get active. Let me tell you a little story. Many of you don't know this. About two-thirds of the people here weren't here three years ago. Three years ago, our church was facing some challenging times. We were in about a $30,000 deficit. And the Lord spoke to us as a church, and he said, you know what, I want you to do this backpack deal. And at that time, we calculated it, and that backpack deal cost about $25,000. Not only did we not have $25,000, we didn't have, you know, we were running at a deficit. So we we were working our way out of that. But we were obedient to God as a church. 
Today, I can tell you the church has tripled in size. We now are operating in the black every month. We have a prophet every month and ministering to thousands of people in our area. But it started with us obeying God. And when we obeyed God, then the miracles began to flow. So what I would tell you in your own life, if you're wondering why God's not moving, the question is, are you being a good steward? He's waiting on you. The power is there. The love is there. God has given you the ability to do great, but he's waiting on you. He's already paid the price on the cross, guys. Jesus died and rose again. That's all paid for. He's saying, look, if you'll steward things the way I'm telling you to, I will bless you. And this church is living proof of that. And many of you, God has turned your life around in the last few months of the couple years. And God is moving. Amen? And you're seeing God move. And it's because you're beginning to practice and do the things that he's asked us to do. And good stewardship brings blessing. Here's number three. Stewardship recognizes, this is my favorite one, by the way. Stewardship recognizes that all we have belongs to him and is given to us by him. Say that again. Stewardship recognizes that all we have belongs to God anyway. And it's given to us by him. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. Are you guys getting anything out of this? Y'all gonna let me come back next week? Well, I am anyway, but I appreciate y'all being supportive. <laughs> Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Check this out. This is another story of Jesus talking about stewardship. Many of you have heard this. Jesus says, again, the kingdom of God can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a trip. He called together his servants, and, and what did he do? He gave them money to invest for him while he was gone. Let me say that again. He called together his servants, and he gave them money to invest for him while he was gone. Whose money was it? Whose money was it? It was God's money. So the guy called, the, the leaders calls his servants together, and he gives them his money, right? He gave five bags of gold to one, two to the other, and one to the last. He divided it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of gold began immediately to invest the money and soon doubled it. The servant with two bags went right to work and doubled his. But the servant who received one bag dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money for safekeeping. You all know the story. After a long time, the master came back, called to them to give account for what they'd done. The servant to whom he had given five bags said, Sir, you gave me five bags of gold to invest and I doubled it. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The next servant came who'd received two bags with the report. Sir, you gave me two bags. I've doubled the amount. The, servant, the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, and now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of gold came and said, Sir, I know you're a hard man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid to lose your money, so I hid it in the earth, and here it is. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, you think I'm a hard man? Do you harvesting crops I didn't plant, gathering crops I didn't cultivate? Well, you should have at least put the money into the bank so I could have had some interest. Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of gold. To those who use well what they are given, 
even more will be given and they will have an abundance. Here's that word. But from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Wow. It's two stories from two different chapters talking about the same thing. Here's what you need to understand. Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to him. And what he is telling us is, is he has given each of us gifts. Each of us has gifts. And what it also clearly illustrates is that one of these days, we're going to stand before the Lord and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? Not just financially. What did you do with the gifts and talents that I gave you? What did you do with the time that I gave you? What did you do with the money that I gave you? I blessed your life. What did you do with what I gave you? Wow. Our blessing to God, this is your next blanks. Our blessing to God is what we give back to him. Some of you are going to walk away today and you're going to have a revelation that you've never had of this before. And it's going to change your life if you let it soak in. Our blessing to God is what we give back to him. Our time, our talent, and our resources. When you begin to understand that God has given you breath, when you begin to understand that everything you have belongs to him, do you believe that God created the heavens and the earth? Do you believe that he created the universe? then you need to believe that everything you have, he's given you. And he has given you stewardship from chapter one. He said, guys, I'm giving this garden to you. I'm giving this life to you. Now I expect you to steward it as you should. Be a good steward. Be a good steward. Number four, here's the amazing truth. I love this. When we take care of those things he has given us, which already belong to him, he blesses us more. You said, but the rich get richer. Biblical principle. When you steward well what God has given you, his biblical law is you're gonna prosper more. When you learn to give of your time, when you learn to give of your talent, when you learn to give back, which by the way, some of you are going, I can't give that to God. It's mine, really. Really? Some of us say in life, well, when I graduate from college, well, when I get a raise, well, when I do this, when I do that, and Jesus would say to you, you're being foolish because you don't know when your expiration date is. You know, there, <laughs> I've heard this. Some of you have said it. Oh, pastor, if I win the lottery, woo-wee, I'm going to build a big church building, pastor. You're going to love it. Well, here's a question to follow up, and this is what Jesus would say. Are you being faithful with what I've given you now? Because what you're saying to God is, if you give me a whole lot more than I think I need, then I'll give you some. And God's saying, that's not the way my principles work. You getting this? God is saying, if you'll be faithful with what I've given you, I'll give you more. Wow. Now, you know, I talk to you each week, and remember, guess who gets to hear the sermon first? Me. And I want to tell you, this one really impacted me this week because it really challenged me about how I spend my time, about how I spend my money, about how I spend my talent. 
And the question that we have to ask ourselves is when we stand before him and he says, what did you do? Chris, what did you do with what I gave you? And see, he already knows. What am I gonna say? Well, Lord, I, I was selfish a little bit. And, uh, and, you know, God, I kind of did a lot of things I wanted to do. And, and I know you wanted me to teach that Sunday school class, but, you know, I was busy because the Cowboys are an important football team. I mean, they're your team, God, and, and I wanted to watch them. <laughs> Look, we've got to get our priorities right because here's the thing. If we will give back to God what already belongs to him, he will bless us more. Do you see what these, what these proverbs are, or what these parables are telling us? Jesus is saying, if you'll steward things well, I'll give you more. If you'll show me I can trust you with what I have, if you'll show me that I can entrust you with important things, I'm going to give you more. But if I can't trust you with this little that I've given you, how can I give you things that really matter? Wow, let that soak into your spirit. Let that soak into your spirit. So here's the big question. Here's number five. When should I start today? Here's what I don't want you to do. See, this is one of those I want you to take home. And I want you to analyze your own life by this. Because I want to tell you guys, this changes everything. Because if we leave this place, we're going to be like one of those three servants. Are we going to take what God's given us? Some of you may go, well, I don't have too many talents. I've only got a couple. Well, he gave you those. What are you doing with them? I'm only really good at cleaning toilets. Then you know what? Then get after it. God is not going to reward you for what you didn't do. He's going to reward you for what he gave you the ability to do. Whatever it is, he is holding you responsible for yourself. Nobody else can stand in the gap for you. Nobody has your skill set. Nobody cuts hair like you do. That's a gift from God. Some of you write beautiful notes to people. Do you know that, that an encouraging note to somebody in a time of need can change their life? You say, Pastor, that's such a small thing. No, it's not. That's a gift of encouragement. And if God has given you the ability to do that, do that. Maybe you have the ability to call and pray with people. Maybe, maybe you have the ability to teach. Maybe you have whatever. And the reason we don't do it most of the time is fear. What are people going to think if I fail? What are people going to think about, look, you know what, guys? If God's given you a gift and ability, he, <laughs> he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Look at me, I'm the, look, if you ever needed a living example of God being able to use anybody, here I am. Okay? God, really, God can use anybody. And he's just saying, give me your heart, give me your time, give me your talent. But here's the cool thing. It's not just that we give back what already belongs to him. When we say to God, God, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to do things your way. God, I'm going to start today. I can't change yesterday. Yesterday's gone. But today, I'm going to surrender my heart to you today. Today, I'm going to try to do things your way. Lord, today, I'm going to, what you've shown me to do, Lord, I'm going to do it. And if we will start today, he will change your life. He is not holding a grudge. Don't try to make up for 10 years of not reading the Bible tomorrow. Just start today. That's all that he requires. Isn't that the good news? Start from where you are. 
And if you will do that, he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing into your life and he will accomplish more. Some of you say, I'm too old. No, you're not. Some of you say, I'm too young. No, you're not. God knows where you are right now and he wants to use your life where you are today. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for this truth, Lord, that's penetrated me and made me think. I know this is for me.